Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares a Mideast Prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Right now, the global community is longing for peace. The enemy at the forefront of everyone's mind is the novel coronavirus. As Pastor J.D. will explain in today's message, this common enemy has created an opportunity for people to unite around a global government and put their hope in things that will ultimately fail and bring destruction. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on April 26, 2020. You know what I find interesting? is that one of the reasons they didn't listen to Jeremiah's gloom and doom of coming destruction is because their lives were too good. Jeremiah 22 verse 21, listen, I spoke to you in your prosperity, but you said, I will not hear. This has been your manner from your youth, that you did not obey my voice. Things are, things are going great. Here's this, this guy telling us destruction's coming. The end is coming. Jesus is coming. The rapture is coming. The collapse of the world's governments is coming. The cashless One world economy is coming. The crashing of the economies is coming. The uniting of religions is coming. Get out of here, you wacko. (laughs) The stock market is at a record high. Unemployment is at a record low. Well, that changed, didn't it? Here's another reason they wouldn't listen. This is, if you'll just kind of bear with me, this one is um, personal for me. And I'll explain why. Another reason they wouldn't listen to Jeremiah's prophecy of coming destruction and doom and gloom is because there were all these other false prophets and false teachers that were saying, what are you talking about? It's all good, man. Hey, we're going to get through this together. Hey, we're strong. We're going to come back stronger than ever. Jeremiah 8 verse 11. They, speaking of the prophets and priests, the pastors, the teachers, the leaders, dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say. 
when there is no peace. No wonder. Here's Jeremiah in the midst of prosperity, good times, great stock market, low unemployment. Hey, it's coming, it's coming. And everybody's flocking to, this is why it's personal for me. The Apostle Paul said this in his letter to Timothy, that this would mark the last days, that people would not put up with sound doctrine, sound teaching. Instead, what they're going to do is they're going to flock in great numbers to these pastors, these teachers, these leaders that will tell them what their ears are itching to hear. What, what are their ears itching to hear? Peace, peace. Everything's okay. It's, it's not that serious. Yeah, but this other guy is saying this, ah, he's a doom and gloomer. Remember now, it's doom and boom now, not doom and gloom. You know, when this thing hit, I just have to say very candidly and openly, that there was a a sanctified vindication of sorts in the sense that it was like the Lord saying, aren't you glad? that you've been talking about this for the last 14 years. So when this hit, I mean, it was, we were ready. Steadied and readied. It didn't catch us off guard as a church, because we were prepared. We knew that something was coming because that's what our Bibles tell us. So several weeks ago, before this thing hit, I, and I hate it when this happens, because (laughs) I spend a lot of time, I try to be very meticulous, methodical, and accurate. Of course I want to be accurate. And I prepared this prophecy update, and then when I was finished, I just had this strong sense from the Lord that I was to scrap it. I hate it when that happens, because it's kind of then back to the drawing board. But I had this overwhelming sense that what God was saying was, uh, not yet. It's been said that God's delays are not God's denials. It just wasn't the right time. And so I I just, I saved the file, and this last week the Lord said, okay, now go back, now it's time. I want you to talk about this. It has to do, and this was for the most part last year, November, December, sliding into January and you know, we're talking about, okay, it's an, it's an election year, you know, in November. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, not, not so fast. You might remember that January started the year off in a very interesting way. And that was even before. I mean, we had heard some rumblings about this coronavirus but for the most part, it was business as usual. 
We were planning and moving and going and growing and glowing. And in fact, in my notes, I, I have this one comment. I, I write it out. And it was something to the effect of, you know, everybody's just going about their lives as if, I mean, nothing's going to happen. And that's a scary way to live your life, because anything can happen. See, when times are good, we forget the Lord. With Israel, God warned the Israelites time and time again through the prophets, listen, when, when I bring you into the land, and I prosper you. Don't forget, don't forget the Lord. And that's exactly what they did because of the prosperity. But boy, when adversity strikes, isn't that when God gets our attention? That's why, by the way, the Israelites were taken into captivity. God got their attention. It's, it's cyclical, for lack of a better word, cyclical in that it's this prosperity, and it's kind of a double-edged sword because God has this problem. Not that God has problems, but in the sense that, you know, God wants to bless and prosper His people. But the danger is that when He prospers His people, then His people become distant from Him and forget about Him. So now how's he going to get them back to him? Well, then he has to bring adversity to get them to repent. I want to draw your attention to a verse in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's chapter 7, verse 14. This, to me, this sums it up. It says it all. Listen to what Solomon writes. Enjoy prosperity whenever you can. But when hard times strike, another translation renders it, when adversity strikes, realize that God allows one as well as the other. And here's why. Listen very closely, very carefully so that everyone will realize that nothing is certain in this life. Listen to what James said, chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. Now listen, <laughs> you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. In other words, Tomorrow is not guaranteed. And as we have just seen and are even now seeing, everything can change in an instant. And it has. 
May I lovingly suggest that God is using this crisis to get people's attention while there's still time. And He's doing that which He could not otherwise do were it not for this global pandemic, the likes of which the world has never seen before and likely will never ever see again. I know that this is heavy, but it needs to be. Because, and I know this is in proper English, but the badder the bad news is, the gooder the good news will be. I've just got done sharing with you some pretty serious stuff, some pretty weighty things about where this is all going. Pretty bad, bad news. But you know that that bad news breaks the hardened ground for the seed of the good news. See, when I realize that this is what's happening, and this is where this might in fact be going, and this is not good. In fact, this is really, really bad. That prepares the soil of my heart for the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is what the word gospel means, good news. Your debt has been paid, good news, you're free to go. That's what the word gospel means. Wait, what debt? Oh, the debt of sin, the wage of sin, which is death, the death penalty. Good news. It's been paid for you instead of you. Why? Because Jesus came, He was crucified, He was buried, and He rose again, defeating death on the third day, and He's coming back again one day. That's the good news. And if the gloom, doom, boom, bloom, whatever you want to call it, is such that it readies and steadies your heart for the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ, and so be it. If I could just have your attention for two more minutes, I want to share with you the simple, childlike simple explanation of the ABCs of salvation. This is for anyone who is watching this that is saying, wow, where's the hope? The hope is in Jesus. What can I do? (laughs) What must I do to be saved? This is the answer. It's ABC simple. I mean in no way to insult anyone's intelligence. It's a childlike simple explanation. Jesus said that in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must become like a little child, not childish, childlike in trust. You know how children are so trusting. It's that childlike trust, that childlike faith, coming to Jesus just as you are. You might say, Pastor, you have no idea what I've done or who I am. (laughs) I need to clean up my act first. Come on. I heard one say, that's like taking a bath before you take a shower. No, you come to Him and He cleanses you 
and forgives you of all unrighteousness. And though your sins be as scarlet, Isaiah the prophet says, He will make them white as snow. He removes them as far as the east is from the west, and remembers them no more. There is no sin that is beyond the reach of God's saving grace in and through the person of Jesus Christ. So here's the A. The A, and this is a a tough one for people, believe it or not. You wouldn't think so, but the A is for admit or acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you need the Savior, that you've transgressed God's law, that you sinned against God, and you've fallen short of His perfect standard of righteousness, because, and you'll forgive the crass way of saying this, but for lack of a better way of saying it, it's when I realize that I'm a sinner, that I'm in the market for the Savior. And that's the first step. It's a simple acknowledging of your sin and your need for the Savior. Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. You might be a good person, but you'll never be good enough. And Romans 3.23 explains why. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were all born sinners under Adam. Jesus often referred to as the second and final Adam. (laughs) Because we were all born sinners, we must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven, born again of the Spirit of God. Romans 6.23. I love Romans 6.23 because it, again for lack of a better way of saying it, packages the bad news first with the good news. What's the bad news? Oh, all have sinned and there is a penalty, a wage, and the wage of sin is death. It's the death penalty. So if all have sinned, then that means that we've all been sentenced to death, and we have. Picture it like this. You're in the courtroom of eternity with the judge of the universe, and you've entered your plea, and your plea is guilty, and you've been found guilty, and now you're entering into the sentencing phase and the judge pronounces the sentence, and it is the death penalty. And just as they're about to take you out of that courtroom, in walks a man. Oh, no ordinary man. This is the God-man. Fully God, fully man. Jesus the Christ, who says to the judge of the universe, stop, I will pay in their stead. I will go to my death for them. I will die for them. I will pay the penalty instead of them, the death penalty. And then the judge of the universe turns to you and says, wow, good news. You're free to go. That is the good news. 
What's the good news? The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. A gift is given freely, received freely. If you pay for it, it's not a gift. It's a purchase. And that's the point. It's free to you, but it costs Jesus everything. He paid to give you that gift of eternal life because He paid in full on that cross. That's the A, here's the B. It's for believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And as Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. I like that. It's not tentative. The jury's not out. The verdict is in. It's not, you might be saved. You could be saved. You should be saved. No, you will be saved. Why? Because it is finished, paid in full. It's done, period. And the C, lastly, is simply for call upon the name of the Lord. Or as Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. And here's why. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And lastly, Romans 10, 13, it seals the deal. Says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray, if you would join with me. Father in heaven, I thank you. I thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. Lord, I thank you for the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. I thank you that in your word, you've told us prophetically what's going to happen before it happens. So when it begins to happen, believers will look up knowing their redemption draws nigh, and non-believers will believe. Lord, I pray for anybody watching this today that has never called upon you, believing in their heart, confessing with their mouth, putting their trust in you for the forgiveness of sin. I pray that today they would make the most important decision of their life for eternal life. And Lord, lastly, for anyone that is maybe even at this very moment thanking you for getting their attention, because they're turning back to you. Lord, I thank you for them, and I pray your encouragement and strength for them. Lord, I thank you that you wait with open arms, and that there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And lastly, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. The end of the world is going to happen, and it might be closer than we think. There's much happening in the world around us that ties into the predictions made in the Bible. With the number of events occurring, though, it can be difficult to keep up with it all. 
Pastor J.D. Farag has taken it upon himself to help us out with that. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes an in-depth look at what Scripture has to say about the end times and then pairs them with the current events of the week. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are available for free to you through our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find them as well on our YouTube channel, and we update them each week to give you the latest information. These messages are useful to us to be able to keep Jesus' ultimate kingdom goal at the front of our minds. Jesus came to earth to offer love and forgiveness to each person. He completed his mission when he died on the cross for our sins and then defeated death by rising again. Jesus has charged each one of us who confess to follow him with a simple task. Go into the world and share the good news of his life. As the end draws even closer, we need to adopt a sense of urgency in getting the word out. We hope you will use these Mideast Bible prophecy updates to draw closer to Jesus, allowing him to speak through you to the world around you. Once again, you'll find these prophecy updates by visiting inspiritandtruthradio.com and clicking the link to our YouTube channel. Join us again for truth from God's word right here on In Spirit and Truth.